you know, in order to feel good and amazing and strong, you have to face your demons and you have to clean some of those skeletons out of your closet. When you know what it feels like to be in the wrong place, like, holy cow, is that useful? Because then you know when it's time to move on. It always feels good for me to think about my mistakes or hard things that have happened in my life or things that I regret as part of this story and as having this deeper meaning. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's bonus episode time. I don't know why I feel so excited. Something about this bonus episode just feels fun and weird and different and exciting. I think it's because I'm doing some of the ask me anything questions and it just feels like a fun casual chat. I haven't prepared any of my thoughts at all. This is all going to be pretty off the cuff, but I'm going to answer some of the questions that I got from you, which were really good meaty questions. So hopefully this doesn't go on for too long. I'll try to keep this around like the 30-ish minute mark. And then since it's the end of 2020, I will talk a little bit about my transition and this change I've been making to become a coach in case you're interested in hearing it's been a big thing in my life. And I'm never sure like how much to talk about my life or when because I like to just put out stuff that you're going to find useful. But if you're curious about this, and I also feel like it's like weird to just change and like not talk about it. I don't know. But anyway, if you're curious, I'm going to talk more about that at the end. And today I am answering three different questions. Two are like very work advice questions. And one is a personal question about me. Um, one question is about aggressiveness versus assertiveness. One is a question about resumes. And one is a question about my career regrets and regrets I have about my career path, which is a really interesting and juicy question that I'm really excited to answer because I'll be thinking about it fresh. I haven't really talked about it. So starting with this question on assertiveness. So someone said, what can I do to soften my assertive voice so it does not come off so aggressive? So, okay, I am not the kind of person that's just going to like be like, well, you should do A, B, and C. Because when we have a topic like the voice, the sound of a woman's voice, assertiveness and aggressiveness, there is a lot going on here. And it is really important when you're developing your voice for you to feel good about the voice that you are developing. This means that if you're trying to soften your voice, it is really important for me to understand as I advise you on this and coach you on this, it is really important for me to understand why. A lot of people in the professional world have lots and lots of opinions about how someone's voice should sound. And I think of all of those opinions as noise. There's a lot of noise out there, lots of noisy information on everyone's opinions, and there is no right answer. The only right answer that there will ever be about how someone's voice should sound is how that person wants their voice to sound. 
So I will say something a bit obvious, but I think this doesn't get said enough. Your voice is your voice and you get to decide what you want to do with it, how you want to craft it, how you like it to sound, how you want it to sound, and no one else gets to tell you that. Now, of course, when we're in a professional environment, there are all kinds of expectations about how our voices should sound, and lots of people tell us how they want our voice to sound for us to be impactful and you know, for us to show up the way they think we should show up. But it's really important to get clear on what you want. And then if people in your work environment want you to do something different than what you want, then you get to make the decision. Do I want to deviate from what I want based on what these people are telling me? Do I want to stick with what I like and what feels good for me? And that choice is one that only you can make. But I think it is very important for us to remember that we always have that choice. Because as long as we forget that we have that choice, we keep on showing up to try to conform to these standards for how the workplace has decided that women should communicate. And these standards are unhelpful. A lot of them are also rooted in very racist ideas, not just sexist, but also racist and harmful about how a person should communicate. And so it's up to all of us to define what we think is good, strong, powerful communication and get really clear on that so that we're not conforming to this ideal that doesn't work and doesn't make sense and doesn't allow people to express their authentic selves. So I would really encourage you to first get really, really clear on how you like your voice to sound and what kind of assertiveness feels good for you. And then, of course, if there's a gap between what you like and what someone else is telling you they want you to do, you can make the choice of if you want to close that gap or not. And it's your empowered choice to make, right? You're in control of yourself, of your voice, of where you work, of your career, of your destiny, hopefully as much as possible. And that is your choice. The one thing that I will tell you with your voice is the assertiveness, in my opinion, is always going to be most effective when it comes from a place of authenticity, strength, and power. So if you are feeling good in your role, strong in who you are, clear on your values, then I would say speak in a way that feels good for you. But if you are not feeling good, if you're feeling fearful or maybe you're feeling stressed out or maybe you're feeling defensive, if some of those feelings are present for you day to day, sometimes those things can show up in your voice and how you communicate. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all go through that. And I've been through that too. But it's really important to understand, are you at your baseline where you're feeling good and this person or you think that you sound too aggressive? Or are you not feeling so great? Are you not happy with like how you're feeling and how your voice is sounding and you want to change it? And I would make sure to always be moving in the direction that feels good for you. I'm never going to tell you to change your voice in a certain way. But what I will tell you to do is define your leadership style. Define how you as a leader get things done when you get pushback or when things are challenging. Really sit and think about how you like to resolve tension and conflict, what feels good for you, and what does that mean about your assertiveness style. So for me, the answer to that exercise was a game changer. I realized that I cared about being respectful, 
I cared about collaborating, and I cared about always being as honest as I could, but holding on to a vision of optimism and a belief that we could always find a workable solution and that there's no problem or conflict or resistance that would happen on a project that is unsolvable. And when I rooted in those beliefs, that there was always a solution and that respect was always something that I wanted to give and receive, it made it so much easier for me to be assertive because I knew what I stood for and my voice came from those things. So I would encourage you to get really clear on those things because your voice and having a strong voice and assertiveness, it has to come from this deep well of strength and stability within you. And that well comes from your values and it comes from knowing who you are as a leader and feeling solid in who you are and your voice emerges from that place. So focus on that and make sure that is clear for you. And my ebook walks you through that. So if you actually want help going through what I talked about, finding your values, figuring out what genuine assertiveness sounds like for you, I'll put my ebook. It's always in the show notes. You can go to the show notes and get the ebook and it'll help with that. But please, please, please make sure this aggressiveness that you're taking out of your voice is truly something that you believe is there that you want to take out of your voice and not just something someone told you to take out of your voice or, you know, not just something that's coming up because you're not feeling great, right? Because if it's coming up because you're not feeling great, you want to address why you're not feeling great and then your assertiveness will feel more organic and natural. So I hope that that helps. Feel free to let me know. The next question is about resumes. Uh, What does an outstanding resume look like and what information do you list? Okay, so there's like the straight up way to answer this as a normal human, where I say you do blah, 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 blah. And then there's the annoying coach way to answer this, where I tell you that you know how to do a resume. You have all of the knowledge inside you to do a resume. And I'm just gonna walk you through this so you can see that and then I'll give you some tips, but it's really important for you to prove to yourself that you can do this on your own and that you can answer that question on your own because in order to become a powerful leader, you'll have to really have faith and knowledge that you can figure things out. And I think figuring out a resume is a really good example of practicing that skill and showing yourself that you can problem solve through these questions. So what is a resume? A resume is something that someone looks at when they're trying to decide if they want to hire you. So put yourself in the employer's shoes. A recruiter is looking through a pile of resumes trying to find out if they want to bring you into interview, if they might want to hire you. What questions are they thinking? They're thinking, is this person going to do a good job in this role? So we know that the one thing that we want the resume to convey is that you are going to do a good job in this role. So here's how I want you to think about this. Your resume is gonna have sections on it. Each section, there's gonna be an education section, but I'm gonna focus on the employment section. The employment section is gonna have all of the jobs you've worked at, and then within each job, you're going to have a description of what you accomplished in that job. Now, every single sentence on the resume has two meanings, two definitions. It has one meaning that is like the actual meaning of the sentence, right? So like the sentence could be led C-suite through organizational transformation, right? Like that's the meaning of the sentence. You led the C-suite through an organizational transformation. But underneath that meaning is the function of the sentence. Why is that sentence there? And what is that sentence functioning to do? And every single sentence on your resume should be functioning to tell the recruiter that you are going to kill it in this job. 
So when you just read the plain, simple English meaning of the sentences, it'd be like led C-suite through organizational transformation, um, led company through, you know, $500 million M&A transaction and integration, whatever, sentence, sentence, sentence. Those are like what the sentences are. But then there's the meaning underneath the sentence. And every single sentence under your resume, if you just extracted what that sentence is communicating to the recruiter, (laughs) your resume would look like this. The sentences would be, I'm really good for this job. 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 So you could imagine if you took every sentence that's on your resume and listed it in rows on a piece of paper in one column, and then in the next column, you had, why is this sentence on my resume? In that second column, every single line would say, I am really good for this job. I can do this job. So you want to be asking yourself, how do I show the recruiter that I can do this job? You do that by looking at the job description. That is where you have all the goals. They are telling you exactly what they want. And you want to look through that and take what they say they're looking for and make sure that every single sentence on your resume is communicating to them, maybe not overtly, but through what you highlight in that sentence, that you can do the thing that they have asked you to do. So I would suggest looking at the job description and I would extract the big themes that you are seeing. There are usually like three-ish big themes, even though they list a zillion things. You can kind of tell by what the first few are and just the feel of the job description, what is it they really need? And then you want to list everything that you have done in your role that directly fits with what they need. And I think that it is okay not to list everything if you have like tons of stuff that isn't relevant. It is much better to tailor because all they're gonna care about is can you do this job? So you want to find things that you've done that are parallel and show the skills that they're asking for. And as much as possible, you want to tie the language and the words that you use to some of the language and words that you see in the job description. Not all, but you're going to find in that job description adjectives that they're going to say that they want this candidate to be. And you're going to find certain types of work that they say that they want the candidate to be able to do. So you want to extract those, not excessively because you don't want your resume to look like the job description, but you want those sprinkled in. And this is also really, really important. You need to describe the things that you have done powerfully. So you need to like pump yourself up and really see that you are freaking amazing and you have done incredible things. And our brains love to focus on our inadequacies and like what we've done wrong and blah, blah, blah. And the energy that you are in, that you feel about yourself and your job and your accomplishments will translate into what ideas your brain gives you of what to put on the resume. So you need to get in a really good feeling state. You need to pump up your self-worth. You need to pump up your ego and you need to write it from there. And you want to give yourself as much credit as possible. So you want to use powerful words like you led something instead of you did something. And wherever you can, try to quantify the results of the initiative you led, if it makes sense. I feel like a lot of people try to quantify and like the initiative doesn't make sense to quantify, so don't do that. 
But the point is you want to really highlight what you did through powerful language. So it's not just about you matching what you're doing to the underlying skills that they're looking for in the job description, but it's also then about looking at it again and saying, how can I make this feel powerful? Because we truly use language to convey an energy. And it's sort of like when you're in a horrible mood and you email someone, if you emailed that person when you were in a really good mood, your email would be different. You would not write the same email. And it's like that with your resume too. So if you get stuck in like inadequacy and like you are feeling bad about yourself, which happens all the time, I've totally been there. But if you see yourself getting stuck there, don't write your resume from that place, right? So I hope that that's helpful. One last trick if you're having troubles coming up with stuff is go through your saved files on your computer and it's going to remind you of all the projects you did because you will often forget what you have done. And one more hack is to ask someone who you've worked with who knows you really well and thinks highly of you because they will see things and point out things that you did not even see. That has happened to me before. I sent my resume to a mentor of mine and she was like, you are missing a million things. You are not talking about yourself like nearly as powerfully as you are. And that was a huge eye opener for me in that I wasn't seeing things. And it links back to what I said before about the energy of the resume and like the energy of the words. I was in like a low self-esteem place and like I was just my confidence was really bad during that time period and so I I didn't write a good resume and then as soon as she told me that I was like wow like I just like need to like own my capabilities and trust myself and really highlight what I've done so I hope that helps you and feel free to message me or dm me if anything didn't make sense or if you want more details but if you follow what I said it will make your resume so much better. And I really believe that this is something that you can problem solve through. Just, you know, tell yourself they are trying to decide if they should hire me. How can I convey to them through this piece of paper that they should hire me? All of your answers are going to be in the job description for the most part. So I hope that helps. And question number three, career regrets. Gosh, regret is such a painful emotion. And I'm someone who, this person asked, like, if I have regrets about my career and, like, regrets about changing my career direction because I went to law school and that was an expensive mistake and I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. And so I went into management consulting and ended up doing, um, you know, corporate strategy from there. But I, I got this law degree that I didn't use and it cost me a lot of money and it was three years of my life and law school was really hard and like not super fun. So do I have regrets? Regret is such a, it's a painful emotion and I'm someone who I used to be really hard on myself. I mean, I am really hard on myself, but over the past year and even the past few months, I've been on this journey of feeling what it feels like to be less hard on myself and feeling what it feels like to let go of thoughts and emotions that really aren't helpful at all. And it's not always an easy thing to do and it's something I have to keep practicing and keep coming back to. But in doing that, when I am able to do that, the feeling of regret, I find it not useful and I find it to be something that I wanna let go of and something that doesn't make me feel good. And who knows if like, the universe gives you things or things happen for a reason. Like, I I don't know. Who knows the answer to any of those questions? But for me, it always feels good for me to think about my mistakes or hard things that have happened in my life or things that I regret as part of this story and as having this deeper meaning. And so even though maybe law school or maybe changing my career 
at the outset and getting a law degree that I never used, like, maybe that didn't benefit me. I mean, it probably did. But like, if I could somehow calculate the net benefit of like that career pivot and that change that I made, I mean, maybe it would show like I it was like net positive. It was probably net negative because it was so expensive. Law school was really expensive. But if I could measure it like objectively, I I'd know the answer to that question. But since I can't, I just choose to not have regret because regret doesn't feel good and it makes me feel like self-punishing and it makes me not feel good. And if I'm honest with myself about looking at difficult things and quote unquote mistakes as things that happen in our life that have value and maybe that do happen for a reason, I can see that I was supposed to be in the wrong place to learn what it feels like to be in the wrong place. When you know what it feels like to be in the wrong place, like, holy cow, is that useful? Because then you know when it's time to move on. And I feel really weird and odd saying this, but being in law school, doing a summer at a law firm really taught me what it feels like in my body and spiritually to be in the wrong place. And it's like that feeling when you have it, you just can't argue with it, right? It's like there's a part of you that feels like it's caged, that feels like it can't come out and can't exist. And I know what that feels like. And having that experience helped me identify that feeling. And I think I could have only made the choice to go to law school at the time because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And people who have no idea what they want to do, like I feel like that's literally what law school is for. So I don't really have regrets. And even though like a lot of my imposter syndrome and my confidence issues came from going into management consulting and business with no background in it really at all and a legal background and a really different background than my peers, even though that made the start of my career, I think, a little bit harder than it would have been if I hadn't made like a big pivot and if I had like picked one track and stuck to it. It also made me really strong and it also helped me be vulnerable. And it is was like so pivotal in my life to have like this experience of like making the wrong choice about grad school and then being like really scared to like graduate and do like something different than all of like the several hundred of what my classmates were doing. And then to get into this like new work environment and feel totally scared and out of place. Like Going through all those things changed me and shaped me as a person, and I can't say that I would want to give any of that away. I would gladly take a refund for my law school tuition. So, Columbia, if you're if you're listening, um, that cost a lot. But you know, like you, life is about making mistakes, and you make mistakes. And part of my own growth has been learning to allow myself to make mistakes. Like I am so in a process of learning to allow mistakes, and it is so hard. And I sometimes laugh at myself because I'm a smart person and I'm like pretty good at things for the most part. But then when it comes to the intangibles and the softer things and loving myself and allowing mistakes and letting go of guilt and regret and toxic emotions, I'm bad at that. I'm not that good at that, but I'm also getting a lot better at that and getting better at that than I have ever been. And so I guess my answer is, I don't think I have regrets and to make myself feel good, I'll say that I don't have regrets, even though maybe I did things that didn't turn out how I thought they would. Okay, just took a quick sip of water. And that brings us to the end. And 
I am in this very transitional, very weird, very strange period of my life. And so I thought I'd share just a bit of a personal update because I don't share too much about myself in the episodes. And this feels like a good spot to do it because it's a bonus episode. It's an ask me anything. It's more unstructured. It's more open. But um, I started this show in corporate, you know, like as a nine to fiver. And I started it with this very clear inner knowing that I had inside of me that I needed to share honestly with women what I had been through professionally and how emotionally painful it was and how hard it was and how scared I was and how much I struggled because I just knew that people needed to hear that because I felt like in the professional world and the women's empowerment space, especially for women in corporate, Everything was always presented as like so polished and there wasn't a lot of honest dialogue about like, oh, I feel like a mess. I'm so awkward. My voice trembles in meetings. Like, (laughs) why am I so weird? This is so hard. I'm so overwhelmed. Like I experienced all of that stuff and I just felt like no one was ever talking about it. And these empowerment spaces and all this stuff for women was like so focused on feeling good and amazing and strong. But, you know, in order to feel good and amazing and strong, you have to face your demons and you have to clean some of those skeletons out of your closet. And I wanted to redefine what it means to be strong, what it means to like be a strong, awesome, confident woman. And I wanted it to include the full spectrum of our struggle and our messiness and the things that are hard. And so that's why I started this show. I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do with it at the time. I just knew that I wanted to get my message out and I loved podcasts and the idea of having my own was really exciting. And I had this trust that I would figure it out as I went. And if I ever wanted to make it more than a podcast, I could totally do that and I would have the option to do that. But the most important thing was just to start and get the message out there and express what wanted to be expressed from me out into the world. And as I did the show, I, I really thought, like, do I want to do more of this? Do I want to do this more, like, often? Would I ever want to make this, like, my full-time thing? And to be totally honest with you, that has been a really challenging question for me to answer. I have a really strong identity tied in into my corporate identity, and I've been really successful. And I, I went through, you know, my early career where things were really hard, and I got to a place where... Like, yes, sometimes things are hard and sometimes I get scared and sometimes things come up. But like I got to a place where my career was in a really, really, really good spot, like awesome roles. I'm always getting messages from recruiters and I'm so grateful that I make more money than I need and I can donate a lot of it and spend it on things. And I just... I don't have to worry. And I I worked a lot. You know, I mean, I have a ton of privilege for sure. And I want to acknowledge that. And also it took me some time and some blood, sweat and tears and pain to get to this place of being comfortable. And so as I thought about like, do I want, would I ever want to take this podcast full time? That was a really hard question for me to answer. And to be perfectly honest with you, I am still in process of answering that question. So I am in a messy uncertain transition in my life where I have my corporate career, it's going well, and I have this podcast that I love that I can't spend that much time on right now. And then I decided over the summer that I wanted to be trained to become a coach because I became really fascinated by coaching and I wanted to get better at guiding you and I wanted to serve any women listening who are looking for a coach because I feel like with all the crap that I've been through, 
I can really help certain women who are struggling with certain things because I've been there and I wanted to offer that out into the world and also have this deeper skill set, which if I ever grow this podcast into something even bigger, I want to know how to guide people through the process of change. I want to become an expert in that because that's a really important ingredient in women succeeding professionally is the change process. And so I started training to become a coach. I'm becoming a coach. I kind of soft launched, beta launched my coaching practice this year. And I'm doing like the more official launch next year once I finish my certification. And I don't know how this is going to look. And it feels really messy. And I don't know if I'm going to try to do both or for how how long or what that's going to look like. I don't know. And identity change is really, really hard and scary and confusing. But what I do know is I love serving and I love doing this show and I love working one-on-one like deeply because a one-on-one space, and this is part of the reason that I really have been drawn to coaching and have loved coaching The one-on-one space that you get with someone who's a good coach and has done their own inner work and kind of has gotten to their own level of inner peace and security, that space is a space where you are not judged and you can say things that you may have never said out loud before, things that you're afraid of, hopes and dreams that you have that you feel like someone might laugh at you. When you have trust with your coach and you feel like they see you and they understand you, you speak in a way that you don't usually speak. You access a part of yourself that you don't often access. And that is why when you find like the right person for you, it can be so transformative. And I love being that person for someone because when I struggled most with confidence, one of the hardest things for me was I felt very embarrassed and ashamed. And I know what that feels like. And I've also gone through the process of building compassion for myself. And as a result, I'm able to show up like with a love and a sense of care that I think is really missing for women. And it's not that I don't focus on like executive presence and all of the things that people are working on and that, you know, the women I work with are trying to get better at, but it's just that there are so few places in the professional world for women that are combining this professional guidance with like a true sense of love and acceptance and compassion and even a deeper spiritual connection to the person and who they are and what makes them powerful. That is something that goes beyond just like your run-of-the-mill career advice or, you know, sometimes like your run-of-the-mill mentorship session. It's, It's something that requires care and someone who can give you a space that feels very safe and very comfortable for you And as I've been coached, I've seen how I'm able to transform and build confidence when I'm in a space where I'm like, oh, no one is judging me here. I can just tell the truth of what I'm going through. And the faster you get to the truth, then the faster you can begin the process of change. And so I have really enjoyed doing that a lot. And I am so excited to deepen my practice and my ability to do that. And I'm not going to stop anytime soon. So for the next little while, I'm going to be doing both. I have my corporate career, which is going pretty well. And I'm starting my coaching business, which is like this whole 
other thing. And they are both a part of my life. And I'll definitely keep you posted as things evolve. This podcast and serving women on a broader scale was always like a very important goal for me. And so it's really important for me that the podcast continues to be valuable even as I open my coaching practice. And my hope is that it will become more valuable because I I do almost everything for the podcast myself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much like a one woman show. And as I grow my coaching business, I can get help and then I can focus my time on the creative parts of the podcast where I really bring the most value versus like I spend so much time editing and like I spend so much time doing this technical stuff that is so not my zone of genius. So I think getting help there will help me focus all of my creative juice and the places where I'm actually good at it because I am not very good at editing and audio engineering. That is definitely not my strength. So that's where I'm at. I'm in this weird in-between space and I think it's funny and serendipitous that this episode is also coming out during an in-between space in between the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. It's an in-between episode and an in-between space, but I'm really looking forward to next year and Sometimes I get these intuitive things, like I have a sense of like what's coming. (laughs) And yep, I'm weird. And you can judge me. That's okay. But unfortunately, for 2021, I am not necessarily sensing what I would hope to sense like, oh, 2020 was such a hard year. um, And like 2021 is going to be like peaceful and easy. I am sensing that there is more ahead and that 2021 might be challenging for me maybe for you. I don't know if it, if it resonates, if that feels like it, it's feeling that way for you, maybe for you too. But I am sensing that there's a lot of transformation ahead, but I am up for it. And I've been feeling so strong and powerful lately, like I can handle anything. And no matter what comes my way, I'm going to be okay and I'm going to handle it. So even if next year is challenging, I know that I'll be able to navigate it and hopefully you will be too. And that kind of brings me to the end. And by the way, if you are wanting to coach with me, don't wait till next year to sign up because I right now I am still in my training. My training ends like roughly at the end of the year, end of December, and I'm going to get certified open up in January. But if you work with me now, if you sign up anytime before the year is over, you can work with me at half off, which is a steal for private one-on-one coaching. Um, I'll link you know, the website in the show notes, you can send me a message on Instagram. I'll link below in the show notes if you're interested. But if you are thinking about it, I would just say sign up before 2021 to work with me at a much lower rate. And I would love to connect with you if you want to work together. And please come say hi. I am loving the Facebook group. I'm trying to do more video in there and a bit more video on Instagram. Although why is it so hard to post Instagram stories? Why is it so hard? Like it's technically hard for me. I feel like a lot of times like I'll make the stories and then they like don't upload and then I (laughs) get really indignant and annoyed. But Facebook has been a bit smoother on that end. But anyway, come say hi in the Facebook group. I would love to connect with you. Have an amazing end of 2020. Hopefully 2021 is not as bad as not bad not as challenging as I'm feeling like it'll be but either way I hope it feels like an amazing fresh start for you and I hope you have an incredible holiday an incredible new year and I'll catch you on the other side oh my goodness okay I'm signing off now bye